And then the glorious few leads the reader on a journey through the de-radicalised church. It is ultimately a heartfelt cry for national repentance and the bride of Christ to be straightened out in mm. preparation for the return of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Now that, I mean, that completely speaks to me. I think what we've spoken about a bit earlier. We join with you and cry out, come Lord, come Lord Jesus. Thank you everybody for listening. It's a privilege and honour to be able to host this podcast in an ongoing way. If you'd like to support and get behind what we're doing, either in this podcast form or in publishing work or over on YouTube with the videos, the extensive kind of growing library of videos there, please do drop us a line. We'd love to get in touch. If you want any more information, please do let us know and we can get that over to you. But there's lots of information. It's pretty obvious what we're doing and we would deeply, profoundly value your support. We're not part of a wider network of churches. We're not part of a wider denomination. We are literally solo. And so if you appreciate this work or if you know others that might, please do drop us a line and, as I say, see the link in the show notes. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Into the Parade, Breaching the Chaos of the Church with Nick and Mary Franks. Welcome, especially if it's your first time, if you've Googled something to do with Justin Welby, GAFCON or something that your longing, gagging, thirsting heart has led you to search for online and you've stumbled across this podcast, the the kind of my humble offering of sanity amongst our insane church and world. It's exactly what happened this week with somebody in Hong Kong who ordered a couple of books, uh, limited edition books of the glorious few who'd happened to stumble across this podcast by firstly searching for something to do with the heretic who's also known as the Archbishop of Canterbury. Um, So yeah, uh, welcome if you've stumbled across through the back door of YouTube maybe or you've just just been listening for a while in whatever context. Very welcome and thank you. Don't take people listening to to me speaking to a microphone. I don't take that lightly. And uh, today I want to let you hear uh, another fantastic conversation that I had just yesterday with a guy called Tim and his friend called Helen representing two different families, friends of decades and different parts of the UK, but whose common shared desire is to look at the church and the world, obviously, but to look and be able to critically approach the things that we're seeing and hearing and ask the right questions towards coming to some right answers. And that's important. It's not enough just to ask the right questions. We have to be prepared to go through the process to eventually come to some conclusions, stroke answers, that would result in meaningful change. And it was a joy to have this longer conversation with Tim and Helen on their podcast, the, I think it's called the Owl and Badger podcast. I'm about to let you listen to some snippets from it in a minute. So you'll hear the official title of it. And sorry, guys, if I've got that wrong, but you can listen to the full length. It was about an hour and a half conversation. So that was, uh, and I'd encourage you to, it's a good conversation and a rare conversation hence the length of it, I wouldn't give myself to something as long as that if it wasn't fruitful. And I hope that it will be a benefit to you. I hope it will be an encouragement to you as it was for me. So you can listen to the snippets here in this episode of Into the Prey and then listen to the full version. If you'd like to share it, get get over to your friends and family who'd also be encouraged with 
the conversation. I'd also point you in the direction of YouTube. As you, most people will know, I produce quite a lot of videos over on YouTube, certainly for now, as long as I'm allowed to. There's no guarantee that my YouTube channel will be available tomorrow. I'm not assuming that the powers that be will allow that to continue. And of course, they're all under the sovereign hand of the Lord providentially. But the point is, the world that we live in um, is anti-Christ. And if you're living for Christ, if for us to live is Christ and to die is gain and the world is anti-Christ, then you can expect things to happen. Uh, <sighs> when rather than if. And so I'd encourage you to check out a video that I put up just yesterday answering somebody's accusation of me last week that I was a homophobic hypocrite. And you can listen to my answer um, to him there. Pray for us, guys. I'd appreciate your prayer. I can't say anything publicly at the minute, but I would just value your prayer for us as, as the book, The Glorious Few, has been published and has been posted around various different countries, various different households. You know, things happen spiritually and we have experienced the sting of um, various different things in the last week. I can't say anything about it for, for various different reasons and and may never say anything about it, but all that to say, I value your prayers. If you'd like to support our work, as I've said already in this podcast, please do see the show notes and see the, see the various different ways of doing that. And if you're not aware, there are about 45, I think, Bible readings on our Friday night live Bible readings. I'm just about to do another one today, the next 10 chapters of Genesis. We're moving through the book of Genesis at the minute in five stages. We don't do that all the time. Sometimes we've done whole books in much longer readings. I think we've got the book of Jeremiah and Isaiah as two of the longer books in the Bible. They're up in full. And so it's just being immersed and devoted to the public reading of scripture. So that's all there as well. If you would like that resource, go ahead and grab it. The other thing I'd just draw your attention to, for those people who've got their finger on the pulse, they would have noticed that just yesterday in the news and global news of the case of Paul Nathangi McKenzie, a Kenyan cult leader who has been arrested and the headlines goes something like this, Kenyan cult leader accused of inciting children to starve to death. And um, let me just read you a quick excerpt here from The Guardian. A Kenyan religious cult leader accused of inciting followers to starve to death is facing additional charges including terrorism and child trafficking. The self-proclaimed pastor Paul Nathangi McKenzie, who set up the Good News International Church, appeared in court on Tuesday. He's accused of inciting followers to starve to death to quote-unquote meet Jesus. A total of 109 people have so far been confirmed dead, most of them children. Nathengi has been in crosshairs with law enforcement several times before on charges such as radicalization of children and incitement of Christians against other religious groups. This case caught my attention for very obvious reasons and powerfully serves to support the central thesis of my new book, The Glorious Few, Redeeming Radicalization in the Kingdom of God. I'd encourage you to grab a copy. This is the way Satan works. He, in, he takes from God what is true and he inverts the truths of the kingdom of God into counterfeit spiritual charlatans. 
And in the process, he tries to take the church down into disrepute as much as possible, which is why when you're hearing a case reported from the secular news about this this demonized individual who's causing children to and others, hundreds of people to commit suicide and so on, all in the name of Jesus, all in the name of doomsday, all in the name of evangelical Christianity. We have to wake up. We have to listen to what the Lord is showing us, not just about the counterfeits now, but about what the real authentic deal will be before Jesus comes again. That's the focus and that's the thesis and that's the whole point of my book. Please get your copies today. Otherwise, guys, I'll let you listen now to the little excerpt from the conversation with Tim and Helen yesterday. Welcome to episode 32 of the Owl and Badger podcast. My name is Tim and I'm joined by my very good friend Helen and we are two Christians who are seeking to understand the world around us through a biblical worldview. We want to encourage our listeners to apply critical thinking to current events and pursue truth as we seek to live for Christ. Well, in uh, this episode, we're really pleased to to welcome special guest uh, Nick Franks, and uh, Nick carries a prophetic burden for maturity in the church expressed through repentance and preparation for the return of Christ. So welcome along to the podcast, Nick. It's great to have you with us. Really appreciate you joining us for this. Thank you. Thank you, guys. As I say, it doesn't happen very often from my end, so appreciate the uh, the invitation. Oh, fantastic! I, you know, I, I was looking at your your website, and I, I've got to say, I, I love the 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 intro on your about page where you where you say, "I've been learning to love Jesus for three decades," and I, and I really like that because it's just a great way to articulate following after Jesus, and and it, it made me want to delve in uh, further more further into what you, mm. what you say about yourself and, and, and your walk with, with Christ and, mm-hmm. and, and then further down the page, you, you really nail your colors to the mast, I think, um, because you say the body of Christ are in a world of trouble and Jesus is coming. We are not ready. Mm. Uh, this really resonates with us. We agree with this and, and I think this is this is why Helen, isn't it, that we've been so looking forward to to this uh, chat with with Nick to touch on the things that that feed feed into this. So yeah, Nick, really warm mm. welcome to to our podcast. One of the things that that catches my eye with your ministry is um, is the is the kind of a call call to action in regards to the return of Christ. Um, and the more I've thought about this over the past few years, the more I've thought, why is this not central to the gospel message? Mm. Um, and it may be ponder about, you know, for me personally, one of my kind of Bible teaching heroes, if you like that, I don't know if that's the right phrase or not, would be somebody like David Paulson. And, and I remember him commenting on on the fact, I think it was, he doesn't 
uh, he, he didn't want to do advent themed services because he didn't he didn't want to be looking back. He wanted to do a kind of advent of the coming advent of the return of Christ, and yeah. and that that's a real driving choice. It seems to be a, a a big thing for you. Is that is that fair to say in terms of calling us to look to the return of Christ? Yeah, I I mean, you mentioned one your influences or heroes. I think uh, one of mine. <laughs> Would be John Piper and okay, yeah. To be, honest, to be honest, I'm struggling to think of many others. Yeah. Um, I recently read in very quick reading his newest book, "Come Lord Jesus." I don't know if you guys have seen it or read it. Um, I don't know if you've uh, you guys listening will have seen it, but I encourage you to watch it. He he hangs everything from this new book, "Come Lord Jesus," from two Timothy four eight. Yeah, where where Paul is writing about all those who have loved his appearing. Yes, yes, I have. And as the, about as the yeah. new as the New Testament standard, particularly in, in in for the Thessalonians, actually, Paul drilled that reality of Jesus coming, and that you know we see it in in one Corinthians ten as well. Um, but my my one critique of of my hero's book, John Piper, is that it assumed that the church did love his appearing. And I think it's a wrong assumption that the church love because when 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 Paul is saying to Timothy, for all those who've loved his appearing, what he's meaning is Psalm 63, Oh God, you are my God, earnestly I seek you, my soul thirsts for you, my body longs for you in this in this dry and weary COVID world where there is no water. You know, loving his appearing meaning, I would literally, this is this is Philippians one, I would literally rather not be here. Doesn't matter how beautiful my wife is, whether I've got children, how well my ministry is going. I would rather be with Jesus than be here, mm. and it's yep. a no-brainer. There's no contest. That's why yeah. he said it's, it's it's better by far. And so that that's what it means to love His appearing, not just have a notional assent to the fact that yeah, well, of course, everybody in the Evangelical Alliance agrees that we we believe in the physical <laughs> return of Jesus, but that's not the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, they're radically different realities, and I think the church, and that's what I'm meaning when I when I talk about the church, are in a world of trouble and are not prepared for Jesus' return because they don't. I don't think the the church at large, and I think this is manifestly obvious, um, long for him in that way. Well, I I just um, want to talk a bit about about your new book, Nick, um, and I haven't. I thought it's probably helpful to say I haven't actually finished reading it yet. It's only just come out, so it's very new. Um, it's called The Glorious Few, Redeeming Radicalization in the Kingdom of God. Um, and one of the reasons that I've not finished it yet is that it's taking me a while to read. It's it's not I'm finding it's not an easy read, but that's in a good way because it's there's so much there, there's so much to think about. It's so challenging that I'm taking my time to really read it carefully and slowly. Um, but I would recommend it to to everyone who truly wants to follow Jesus. I think it's an important read. I think it's really challenging. Um, so, so you know, we haven't got time to go into it in great detail, but like mm -hmm. us to talk about it a bit. But I don't know whether it's helpful, Nick. I haven't read your previous book, Body Zero, mm -hmm. um, Radical Preparation for the Return of Christ, but obviously mm. the two are linked. So I don't know whether you want to say a little bit about that one. 
Yeah, and please interject and stop me and whatever because I don't want to uh, it to be a monologue. But the what the the kind of main question would have been from folk who'd read Body Zero is well, what now? And as I allude to in this new book, it's that 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 question can be from a good place or it can be from a bad place. It can be from a place of desperation and longing, and everything being on the table. We we just want the Lord to lead us into, as you were saying, Tim, into truth, not rightness, but into truth. Um, or it can be from a place of belligerence. So what, what now? What, what now, Nick? What, we can't all leave the church because it will just be chaos. Mm. Um, and so Body Zero was really, I suppose, a manifesto of w- what we would understand to be our own lives being prepared for his return and again not not within our lifetime we're not talking about date setting or if anything we assume that it's not our lifetime but that but nonetheless that the preparation for that should be the same as though it was definitely within our lifetime um so the so the first book was i think asking people to to think uh as you do more critically about the assumption that the landscape of the church which is characterized by the peaks and troughs of all these different denominations that often will say competing contradictory things this is why Mm -hmm. we talk in the podcast about the chaos of the church and breaching that um so that that was just in brief what that first book was about and as we've already covered in this conversation that the catalyst of that is recognizing that jesus is coming and that the church if you refer to Matthew 25, we're not in a place of readiness for that, you know, when when we will be in a place of splendor to be presented. So so anyway, that, that's what that first book's about, um, if that answers the question. Yeah, yeah. And then The Glorious Few leads the reader on a journey through the de-radicalized church, that's your term, to discover what radical discipleship really means. And it it says um, on the back of the book, I think, it is ultimately a heartfelt cry for national repentance and the bride of Christ to be straightened out in Mm. preparation for the return of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Now that, I mean, that completely speaks to me. I think what we've spoken about a bit earlier um, is certainly what I've been feeling over the last few years. Mm. So many things have brought home to me this journey that we're on this life that we're called to to follow jesus it has to be more important than anything else we have to take it seriously and what does that mean for me personally um like you like you said right at the beginning to be to be longing for the return of jesus what does that mean yeah yeah and and i think important within that and as a critical, maybe even starting point of what national repentance would look like, and even if it doesn't ever become national in our own homes, because we are before him solo, is that how has it ever not been about that? Mm. Mm. You know, with what you've just said is absolutely true, but it is elementary. It is the most basic thing. It's the most basic reality of what it means to pass from death to life, is that we are not our own, Galatians 2.19. For I no longer live, but this life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So it, it, do we believe that? 
And and if you look at the statistics, if you look at it from if you if you took if you can imagine took God out of it, if that were possible, and just looked at it purely from a secular viewpoint, <laughs> yeah, well, yes, and, and said, okay, well, is the church growing? No. Are, are, are we are we becoming you know clear about what we believe? No. Uh, are, are we seeing our, our young young people stay in church and continue on in faith? No. Okay, well, if we just look at it like that, are we going to stop and think, hold on, guys, maybe we're driving the bus down the wrong road here? Mm-hmm. You know, you don't you don't drive you don't go on a journey to somewhere far away and mm. and think, oh, I, I think we've gone wrong, but you know what? We'll just keep going. You don't do that. Nobody no. does that, and yet no. that feels like. Mm. exactly what we're doing and we're mm-hmm. clapping each other on the back in the process yeah you know in, in many in many ways the church i think is in danger of, of becoming little more than a arm of the social services and that's not um, don't get me wrong i'm not saying that oh we don't we don't you know we don't care for people's needs or anything like that i'm not suggesting that for a moment but mm-hmm. but it is mm-hmm. very easy to go down that route and forsake mm-hmm. the gospel well don't you think um i i think the fear of god is brings freedom and and the fear of man is totally crippling i mean i when you were talking mm. earlier nick about um one example i've have another example i wrote about recently um a, where a prominent american christian had written a piece that was i believe was truly prophetic that it was difficult to read but it was true mm. and and then within days it had gone, it had been pulled. And I wrote to ask why, where's it gone? And and I was told that because people didn't like what he'd said, it had been removed. Wow. And and to me, that was just the perfect example of mm. well, that's because it's prophetic. You have to expect that people won't like it because it's difficult to hear. And if all you're gonna do is so you've listened to God and you've heard from God and you've spoken what is true, but as soon as you get a bit of criticism or a bit of pushback, you remove it and you apologize. And yeah. and and I just found that really difficult. Mm-hmm. And the and then I lost res- respect for him because of that. Yeah. Just talking a bit more about this this concept of the de-radicalized church mm. and what that means. Um, in your book you write. While there are millions of radicalized disciples paying the cost of spiritual faithfulness in other parts of the world, there are millions more de-radicalized Christians in the West who are genuinely saved, but also ineffective and unfaithful, cowering and hiding in wolfish garb. Mm -hmm. I was one of those sheep in wolves' clothing for decades. Do you, do you want to just tell us a little bit more about what it looks like to be a de-radicalized Christian and the yeah, dangers well, of that? Yeah. And by the way, thank you for not trying to have a conversation like this in 20 minutes. It's refreshing <laughs> on that level just to have a, a longer conversation. Um, maybe if I could just answer that as quickly as I can by referring to the front cover of the book, um, which is really a play on Jesus' words about the, you know, the famous uh, sh- um, wolf in sheep's clothing. In other words, you think is a Christian leader or teacher, but underneath the exterior, there is a wolf waiting to, to devour the sheep. Everyone's familiar with that. This, this is, the front of this book, for those who are just listening, is 
is a is an inversion of that, an opposite of that. In other words, there is a a sheep, a sheep in essence, or uh, but wearing this external wolfish garb, as you've just said, um, which is a picture of de-radicalization and that and that the reality of of all the things we've talked about, I think, does does really sum up in that we are living in a a sub normal Christian reality. It's not orthodox Christianity that that is the mainstream at all. Far from it. And, you know, I often say things like, you know, today's radical is yesterday's walk in the park. And it's true. <laughs> well, we, our notion of, and I've tried to break that cliche in this book. Um, so I, th I think the, the image of the front of the book is helpful. And, you know, I've made sure that it's extremely clear. It is idiot proof. You can't there's a picture and an explanation of, of, of it, but it might catch people off guard. It might make people look twice at it to think, or they might misunderstand it. They might immediately think they've understood it and actually they haven't. And then that becomes clear in the book. My, my test, that would be my testimony guys. And I don't mind just speaking openly here that as I have, and this is pr pr before the whole thing of COVID and everything, or the example I just gave a minute ago about the, the leaflet drop. It's funny you should mention an article being pulled because 10 years ago, when Mary and I lived in London and I was working bizarrely, you might think ridiculously, I was working as a worship pastor of an Anglican church okay. in central London. And I was asked to write an article in 2013. And in the article, it doesn't matter what it was about, but long story short, it was pulled. The vicar had asked me to write it, I wrote it. It went up on the church website, it resulted in a whole bunch of complaints, etc., etc., and the article was put, was removed. What I'm trying to say is, as I have responded to what the Lord, in the best of my ability to what I can honestly put my hand on my heart and say, this is what I think the Lord is saying and asking of me, it has resulted in things being stripped away. Mm -hmm. And that that is primarily, has been for me primarily relational. And I'm not bothered about the the atheistic world. That doesn't hurt me. What hurts and what I find most difficult is the arm's length shunning of Christians who don't want to be radical. Yeah. That's the most difficult point. And until we come to a place of recognizing the preciousness of relationship with Jesus, the coming King, I think that desire to not be shunned will, will have a very strong prevailing impact on our hearts and minds and i think particularly church leaders mm. um that's it guys that's that's it and that's not something you just graduate from that for me is an ongoing um and you might have noticed at the front of the book that i dedicated it to my wife mary mm. Mm. for mary and every price you've paid mm. you can't be radical you can't be wholehearted before christ and not face cost and price yeah. And it's, it's and it's awful. It, at times, it is awful. I'm glossing over it. At times, it is awful. But when you have conversations like this, it reminds me that it's such a blessing. It's it's it's, it's such a blessing of the Lord to be led into a place where, regardless of the cost, mm. you feel like your hand is on your heart and you're saying, "Lord, this is where I've got to stand because you've led me here." You've led me to this place to say this in this way. 
And there's nothing on earth, literally nothing on earth, that would make me forfeit that. So I think that's what it means. Uh, I, think, I think I think that's where it starts. Thank you to everybody for listening to this episode of Into the Prey. Please do consider grabbing your copy or copies of The Glorious Few, the limited edition version via the Body Zero book shop. You can find information via firebrandnotes.com. Maybe be radical, consider buying one for yourself and a friend, maybe somebody in another country. Put some solid Christian material in their hand.